0: Hey, everybody, it's your girl Jessie May. This is the Sharp Tongue Podcast, and I'm your girl Jessie May. <laughs> it has been such a brutal couple weeks, and I will get into the trials and tribulations of what happened to me with the scam. I got scammed on Facebook, I got scammed by my movers. I had so many things happen in a 72-hour period that I contemplated doing crack cocaine. And I haven't ruled it out. But that's neither here nor there. This is a very special episode. It's a combination of Dr. Peluso and grief. We're going to consider it a Dr. Peluso episode. Um, But we do discuss some grief in it. So trigger warning... We have an amazing guest who is an actual doctor. And with these Dr. P episodes that we do, I am going to be interviewing actual doctors to give you guys real doctor advice, not just actually pretty useful. What is it, actually pretty helpful? Dr. Peluso is actually pretty helpful, and real doctors are actually really doctors. So that's what this episode is, a special combo episode of a little bit of grief support but more importantly some real doctor advice not that mine doesn't help i'm actually pretty helpful and i'm standing by that thank you james nick wheeler but first and foremost shout out to mud water our amazing sponsors did you guys hear that little throat gurgle those are hard to cut out i keep everything in baby i'm not afraid Mudwater is our amazing sponsors for a couple months and we've been working together. I am so excited to be an ambassador for them because I actually use it. I actually enjoy it. It is something I have put into my morning routine for a couple years now and every now and then Mudwater and I partner up and find cool ways to create some content and give you guys a little bit of some mud to bring home as well. You can do that. You can get 15% off your entire order at mudwater.com using promo code Jessie May Mud. Now go to mudwater.com forward slash Jessie May, put in the promo code Jessie May Mud, and you can get 15% off your entire order. That's M U D W T R.com forward slash Jessie May and use code Jessie May Mud. To get 15% off your entire order, I highly recommend, like I've said, the creamer. The powder creamer is the bomb. I highly recommend the frother because that really mixes it up. And anybody who sort of uses powdery drinks, the frother is just very useful. I use it in other cocktails as well. So check it out. Shout out to Mudwater. Thank you for keeping me alert without the jitters and the panic attacks. It's like healthy alertness with some adaptogens in it. You don't know what an adaptogen is? Google that shit. But it is mushrooms, rishi, changa, ashwagandha. Um, there's also lion's mane in it. All of those have very, very beneficial effects. I have noticed the effects myself, and I, I stand by it. It's delicious. So shout out to them. Thank you so much. Also, I may be moving my Facebook page to a different platform. I may be moving to a different platform with my live broadcast that I do with Weeds Day Live with a lot of the things that I'm putting out on Instagram. So stay tuned for that conversation. But in the meantime, please check out my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Jessie May Like and subscribe. Let's get me to 10,000 subs. I want 10,000 subs by April Fool's. You think we can do it? Tell a friend to tell a friend to check me out. Let them know how fucking funny and motivational and actually really helpful that I am. I'm basically like a daily vitamin for you in the form of a voice. You're welcome. I'm your new best friend. Tell your best friend about me and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube page. And I appreciate all of you guys, all of your support. Like I said, I will be filling you in on all of the drama that I have dealt with the past few days I am eternally grateful to my assistant Deb De La Roses you guys all know Debbie De La Roses she has been my right hand chick through all of this so I appreciate her support and I also joke that she better not Selena me you guys remember what happened with Selena's assistant Yolanda Salvador she killed that bitch and Debbie didn't even know what that meant because she hadn't watched Selena now she knows <laughs> <laughs> Anything for Salinas. I truly appreciate you guys. If my voice sounds like I'm exhausted, it's because it's been a very trying couple days. I am not complaining. I am a perseverance. I am a a persevering individual and a strong bitch. So that's not to say I didn't cry at the spectrum cable store yesterday, which I did when the woman asked how I was and I fucking lost it. We'll get into that next week. This week is all about sex and loss and your sexual expression. I'm so excited to have this guest back. He is truly a unique and progressive therapist. He is a licensed clinical social worker. He is a licensed sexologist. He also has uh, books out. He's he's an author. He's an author of two books: Sex Outside the Lines. Authentic Sexuality in a Sexually Dysfunctional Culture. Hello, pick that one up. And also the author of Rebel Love, Break the Rules, Destroy Toxic Habits, and Have the Best Sex of Your Life. Who out there doesn't want to have that shit? He is also the director of clinical education for the Sexual Health Alliance and hosts the relaunched iconic Loveline nightly radio show, Please. Welcome my next guest, Dr. D Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Mae Peluso. It's a personal comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey, everybody. What's going on? This is a special Dr. Peluso episode. Now you guys know I'm not a real doctor, so don't try and sue me. It's all in fun. Uh, I have friends who are real doctors. That's what this whole episode is about. But I did buy this thingy off of... I got this off of Amazon. So am I a real doctor? You be the judge. But speaking of real doctor, we do have a real doctor. Uh, He has a licensed clinical social worker. He's a sexologist. He has written two books. He's been on all the podcasts. Um, He also has a very informative and also pro mental health live show. I think he's still doing it. He was doing it. on the weekdays through uh, radio, what was it called? I'm um, terrible, terrible. Let me just pull him in, Dr. Donahue. What's? Are you still doing the radio? <laughs> it's at simply, night?
1: you're like, hey, welcome to my show. Do your own intro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do are you still doing the live
1: well so what's interesting is so i do i do a nightly radio show called love line and that's in 36 cities also you, you know it's podcasted but at the beginning of the pandemic radio.com that's who owns was. a bunch of radio stations across country asked me to start doing a live stream show because of the pandemic just to have guests on and talk about you know self-care mental health and uh had you on and that's you right. literally gave me one of my favorite favorite uh sound bites and uh, i posted often i posted often. what was the sound? <laughs> well there i was you know in my you know really tight dress shirt showing off my professionalism talking to you about something serious thank and god out of nowhere emerges a cocktail and you just start slugging that bad boy and i lost it
0: let me tell you <laughs> i have had to exercise much restraint during the quarantine that was not one particular day you know it's like you know i'm gonna have a cocktail I am going to just sit here In all my professional glory and have a little bit of tequila. We're doing the best
1: we can. We are. You look
0: amazing, by the way. Really?
1: Oh, man, it's been a rough week. I I got the first vaccine and I've been having a really strange response. And I'm not I'm not in any way trying to sway anyone from not getting it. It's worth it. I'm a public health professional. We need to get vaccinated. But um, I'm very sensitive to medications. And the first one was supposed to be very simple. And I got it now three days ago. And I'm still having some headaches, arm pain and some exhaustion.
0: does that scare you? I mean, you are a doctor. So, I mean, you obviously, even though your profession isn't necessarily like internal medicine, that's right. You know, you probably know too much for your own good.
1: Yeah, I do. And what I also know is that the second one is going to have far severe, you know, the severe implications are going to be far beyond what I've had from the first. And so I'm definitely going to take a couple days off after.
0: So did you now I haven't gotten it yet. Um, Okay the the vaccine are you concerned at all about lasting effects with it
1: oh that's a really good question well it really depends on the variants we're kind of looking at the research and seeing seeing where that's going to land right now i think today they were talking about um it wasn't the pfizer so it was the moderna vaccine that that might possibly protect us against some of the new variants but it's going to really depend you know we're watching texas uh, wide open, right? No mask necessary. Everything's open to full capacity. South Carolina, Florida, God bless them, has literally not participated <laughs> in the pandemic thus far <laughs> at all. Uh, so everyone's kind of helping us get there. We're gonna it's gonna be an interesting journey.
0: <laughs> but if all places like to completely open up and maybe in turn self eradicate. Florida.
1: <laughs> Yo. I'm not I'm not stepping into that one. That was all you, but I appreciate where you're going with that one. Certain places <laughs> maybe don't offer as much as other places.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I That's I fun. sent you a message cuz I I've been doing this um grief survival guide mini series and an interesting cross junction came up because mm um obviously through quarantine there wasn't much I'm, i haven't had sex in a, a rather long time which is fine i'm not complaining i'm just stating mm-hmm. but i realized that either the quarantine situation or maybe something with grief my libido is it's like low libido. it's like no libido. And I thought of you, I was like, well, first of all, I wanted to have you back on because you're a requested person for the podcast and also you're a real doctor. So it's nice to to speak to one. But also I was wondering specifically about you. Have you crossed that in your professional life where sex and loss have this crossroads and sort of exist in this realm where people don't even consider that could be a weird situation?
1: Yeah. Well, I just want to start off by just you know, empathizing with what you're going through, you know, loss and loss of a parent are some of the more profound things that we'll go through as, you know, humans and um, grief and loss is something that changes us. And it's not something that's healed or resolved. It's something that we kind of carry with us and it becomes a companion on our journey for the rest of our lives. And that can have some beneficial outcomes and also um, some, some deficits. And I lost my father out of the blue about three years ago And I'm really thankful that I did only in that it helped me have a deeper, more powerful understanding of what that level of loss can feel like. And so it really helped inform my clinical work. So, you know, just sending you extra care and love, you know, understanding what some of that can be like. But, you know, the psyche is a really interesting thing. It's very fragile and it is definitely impacted by anything that happens in our lives and Like I said, loss and the loss of some people in our lives or even the loss of maybe an identity that we had, which can be tied to the loss of our career or other factors, is absolutely going to impact our sex drive. You know, sex is important, um, but in certain times in our lives, that's not where our energy and focus should go. And our psyche has a really powerful intelligence to it. And it lets us know where we need to be. And right now, your psyche and your body is telling you, you don't need to be putting your time and energy into sexuality and looking for a mate and pair bonding. You need to be focusing on where you are and healing and connecting to other re, you know, reinforcing and uh, rejuvenating sources in your life.
0: And is that something, this may be a dumb question, but I just mm-hmm. ask it because I feel like there are men out there who might think it. Is this something that is you find more in like a female brain, or Mm -hmm. is this something that maybe men struggle with as well? Because even though society, and this is why I love having you on because you break all the norms and the stigma, but coming from, if you allow it, just a traditional conversation of society, making it so men are, Pounding their emotions down. Do you find that men may struggle with I- this idea with grief and sex because they feel like maybe there's something wrong with them further because they're supposed to be these, you know, crazy fuck demons?
1: Yeah, yeah, and well said. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> that that was a clinical term fuck demon um <laughs> you've definitely been reading the the literature
0: i'm reading the literature <laughs> this is, a, I, don't I, am a, this on is I don't know where you got your schooling i went to amazon university
1: <laughs> god bless it there's so much in what you just said i think that's actually really important yes uh, people that are males in our culture are definitely socialized to have some anxiety and aversion to feeling anything, to feeling anything deeply or fully, but also to expressing it publicly, right? But then we also have uh, can you hear that sound? No, is that I just okay, hear yeah. your
0: heart beating. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm a doctor.
1: I <laughs> know, a stethoscope. Uh, that's what that's called. <laughs> that <laughs> thing is on your neck, is. yes. Um, Thank you. But, Being a man in our culture, like I said, yeah, you're forced to uh, not only ignore and suppress and minimize, but to stick with your wider topic, also in mourning, we're also shamed all of us culturally and not mourning publicly. We're told that it's something we should do quietly and privately at home. You know, the minute someone cries about anything, what do we do? We try to actually shut it down. We hand them a tissue. We pat them on the back. We tell them it's okay. All of that are acts of actually telling them to stop.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yes, We don't do the opposite, which is more of that. This is safe. Keep going. This is good. We do the opposite. Yes, we always do.
0: We try to like pacify, but the pacification is shutting it down.
1: That's right. Further shaming, further denying, further minimizing, saying pull together, keep going. And I think that that's also we live in a capitalist culture, which just really means we are so obsessed with efficiency and productivity. Yes. And we're like, get back to work, get together, you know, get the kids breakfast. And It's like, whoa, we don't have morning rituals. And that's to our detriment. And that's why people get very confused. And we have big terms like, you know, delayed mourning, complicated grieving, all these words that just imply I haven't been allowed to go through the natural process I need to go through. And yes, it's gendered. I think it's harder on men to show anything that's weakness or softness.
0: It, it makes it difficult in relationships. Of course. You know, that's one of the things that I've definitely come across. Obviously, you know, identifying as a heterosexual female with heterosexual men in my past. It, there's always that like, I, not so much me trying to pull emotions out of them, but we come to a head in any sort of difficult scenario that might be heightened by grief yes. or heightened by them experiencing some sexual inadequacies. And then we come to this head because they don't have the tools or feel, they feel the shame surrounding the emotions that they don't want to publicize. It's such a this And this, is, and this is such a therapy,
1: thing. and this is such a therapy answer, but Um, that which you are struggling most with, or that which you're leaning away from avoiding is actually what you need to do more of. Mm -hmm. And so the work is always about leaning in and doing more sitting with. And we culturally need that for everyone, but especially people that are male. So I work with men that are struggling to be a good father or a good partner. And part of that work is them having that emotional access and availability, which they've been shamed for and shamed themselves for so long. And that's where loss can be a gift if they choose to use it as such, because that is a moment where they can actually practice allowing emotional expression if they choose.
0: And, and that's a good way and word to use the, cho- the choice. Cause I think people allow the limitation society puts on us to make the decisions for us and yes. make us feel that we only have a limited amount of decisions to make. And we don't realize that we can, pivot and become deeper and more expressive. I, I remember something specifically uh, that I, I don't think I've ever shared on my podcast. I'm very, very candid, as you know, and my listeners know. I was losing, I, I lo- had lost my father in 2018. And, you know, as someone who's experienced loss, the grief, emotions and emotions surrounding grief, there's no schedule. You're on their schedule and they just show up. So I was having one of these moments where I was feeling that visceral loss and I was crying and huddled in a fetal position. And my boyfriend walks over to me, my boyfriend at the time, comes over and just kind of like leans over and looks at me and then kind of like does a side to side and then walks away and leaves me (laughs) crying. (laughs) If that's not a perfect depiction of communication, emotion and everything else of a breakdown... I don't know what is.
1: Yes. The poor guy was confused. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know what he was able to do was struggling to lean in, lean away and and just got flustered and ran. (laughs) It it was like, I'm out. I'm out. And you know, what's funny. Here's the, here's the wild thing. What you most needed was actually the most simple, basic thing. You just needed him to be there. He didn't need to say anything. He didn't need to make it better. He just needed to give his presence.
0: Yes. That's exactly like, even if he had, if I felt a hand on me, yeah. I like just something and then like him <laughs> leaving made me cry. even
1: more. That's right. It's a, it's a double abandonment, right? You're already dealing <laughs> yeah. with the loss of this figure and then you have his loss. And, and that's so sad to me, but you know, your boyfriend was doing the best he could. That wasn't yes. his lack of care It was the lack of an, of an ability he had. And we need to learn those things. And we, and look, I see, I, I will see women. And this isn't a critique on women. So I want everyone to kind of individualize this. But I will see the same people that are asking their partners to be more emotionally available. I will also see them still shaming that at other times. You know, the same person that says in my office when I'm doing couples or marital therapy, I want my husband to be more expressive is the same person that then says like, oh, I heard a scary noise downstairs. Be the tough man and go down and figure out what it is. It's like, we can't have it every way.
0: No, and it's so castrating. I feel like... I've experienced that with friends and people in my life. Females want their men to be a certain way, more expressive, but then they emasculate them whenever they say something. It's like, well, what, what? Do you not see how you're just chopping him off and you're totally emasculating him? He doesn't feel safe to talk to you.
1: Yeah, it's a double bind you put them in. They both want to be a man and the man of your dreams, but then also want to step outside the demands of that gender role and actually be able to be a full total person.
0: (laughs) It's fucking, it's such a, a thin, fine line for some women because I understand wanting that like ferocious animal choking, I might die, but I feel safe sex in pairing it with an emotionally available partner. It's, it's, it's a conundrum because like, but you also know, let me say this, yeah. this
1: is why I'm a big proponent and, and and I don't believe enough people in my field are talking about this. So my field is general psychology. My field is also that I'm a certified sex therapist, right? So I walk both lines and we really need to get away from gender roles and gender training and gender socialization because it's not honest because another way that this comes up specifically in the sexual domain is when I work with a couple and the female saying, I want my man to ravage me. I want him to grab me, blah, blah, and everything you just said. And then we look over at this loving, gentle soul who's sitting there. And it's like, he does not have that in him. (laughs) That is not who that man is. And your husband's a bottom. (laughs) Like we, we don't recognize that. (laughs) Not every man is an aggressive top. And some men can't are. Can't we have both? You cannot have both. You can't have both fantasy and reality. You know. Ah,
0: so I'm basically going to have to get my sex from a Sasquatch and my love from a very. Well-rounded well, man.
1: You you can be you know you can be dominant sexually and also emotionally available. The example is more just to say that we have to get away from these assumptions that if someone's a male or a female that we're going to assume or demand that they fulfill that role all the time in totality yes. and not allow them to show up in ways that disappoint us because they're just trying to be their authentic self.
0: That's a it's a it's a valid point. I think it's a valid point. I feel like people we are very we're much more dynamic than the societal standards has allowed us to yes. be. And we're all trying to fit in these boxes that yes. are just a part of a capitalistic society. 100%. Right, I um I thought of something when you were speaking earlier. Was it difficult or useful when, you know, because you have um, you know, your registered and you're an actual doctor and you have gone to school and have learned all of these skills dealing with Mm -hmm. psychology and, and sex and all of that. But when dealing with something like loss, because you have a more understanding of emotions in the brain and sort of changes in life, was it harder or easier for you to go through a big loss like that? Oh, beautiful question.
1: Um, I want to believe that it gave me the confidence to just go through the process that I needed to go through. And I want to believe that it didn't um, that I didn't trap myself in this idea of I need to show up a certain way. And what I and even in a bigger sense, which is I think most people would use my training and credentialing against me and think you would get through it sooner, quicker and faster because of the training you have. And my answer had always be, no, it's quite the opposite, actually. Because of the training, I'm letting myself soften into it. Mm. I'm letting myself be more publicly expressive. Uh, I'm not going to shame it. But yet people try to shame me with my own training. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, train
0: you, shaming? Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> and I, I said on my radio show, and I got, some, I got a lot of responses to this. I said, uh, this was last year. I said, my goal this year is to cry more and to cry more publicly. Because as a man in our culture, that's a really fucking radical act and very healing for me and healing for other people. Because you see a man cry in public, people stop, oh, and they, they stop. stare, and they're uncomfortable, and it's fascinating to watch.
0: Fascinating. That's really strange, because I have said that to myself this past year, and I didn't even know that that's something that you were working on. Yes. But even as a woman, because of how society is, crying in public is, is – you just – don't do that. It's taboo. Like, nobody wants to see anyone crying in public. Do that shit at home. Like, that's the way society makes us yes. feel. And I myself, as open as I am, still allow myself to feel those little shame particles seeping into my being and fucking up my flow. So, that's interesting that I also thought that I was like, you know, I'm going to be okay crying, letting it out, and not feeling like I need to hide it. Yes. Wherever I am, wherever those emotions are. And I, I think about this one woman when I was living in New York City years ago and you know New York you could literally kill somebody in the middle of the street
1: and God bless New York you can
0: do it yeah. all there. Now you can do anything. <laughs> you
1: can poop on the subway yes. openly. your uh, toilet. And, and I've dinner. done it a few times. I believe
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like traffic, you know, rush hour and I'll never forget the image of this woman holding onto the pole, no glasses, no hat, no, nothing covering her face, bawling her eyes out and not just, just crying. She was not holding back whatsoever. And I was so moved by it. And I think about it often. And I think about her when I'm emotional in public. And I always wondered like what she could have been going through a million things but the strength like you're talking about to be vulnerable and to not feel shame about feeling what else are we doing all day long we're feeling yes the fucking moment we wake up we have a feeling that's right and that feeling Everything carries has us feeling throughout tied the day to it. Everything yes. has a feeling,
1: every thought, every experience, eating a food. But go even bigger. Not only are we talking about the shame around public expression of emotions and specifically loss and crying, we also have a culture where we are all about toxic positivity. Think on the bright side. What's the silver lining? It'll be better tomorrow. We, we, don't, we can't even hold the reality of depression, sadness, disappointment, and all that is okay. Like I wrote a big article on how toxic toxic positivity is, where it's such a denial and it's such an attempt to repress 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 it's like let people feel everything like let us be sad by something that's let us be disappointed let us be angry like we're afraid of anger they're like think positively and it's like no that whole there's a whole wellness industry that's building uh, building steam and making so much money off of you know do a daily gratitude list and i'm not knocking that there's a place for that but like maybe your day sucked and i want people to sit in the fact today sucked yeah. It's okay that it sucked. I don't need to make any meaning out of it. And tomorrow doesn't need to be better. Tomorrow might suck too.
0: Make a daily attitude list.
1: That's right. That'd be far <laughs> better because if when we deny our shadow side and the dark parts, that doesn't make that thing go away. That just means it's operating on us and we're living and acting it out. We're just not aware of ourselves. And if you want to go even more relational with it, the scariest person on the planet is someone who doesn't know what their work is as a person. I make it my job to have every client in my practice know what they're working on. So that I know they are working on something. But if I say to someone, "What do you need to work on to be a better partner, a better person?" They go, "I don't know." Wrap police tape around that person because they're a danger. <laughs> Wrap police tape, <laughs> right? Get out some that crime tape around and them a checkup. <laughs> yeah, it's.
0: I just got done recording an episode and talking about how my disposition is very positive, but I also allow my shadow side, which I I love that term. I've heard it before, but I love that you mentioned that because I, I have forgotten how to access the description of it. The shadow side, I allow my shadow side time. And I think because I do stand up because I'm, you know, in the arts and all of that and talk on a podcast, it has, it's allowed to shine. The shadow is allowed to shine, but my disposition, I've always called myself like, an eternal optimist. That's just how I feel like when I wake up, I'm generally on the bright side. But with that comes this expectation of people around me that that is just, you know, I'm always happy or I, you know, just choose to ignore the sadness and the darkness. So it's it's a, also a strange relationship when you are a certain way Yes and I like what you're saying to manage the expectations. For, and
1: thank you for balancing that because yeah it's not to say that everyone has to live 50-50 and you're right some people have a characterological style or personality style that just tends to lend itself to either being in a more positive mood or they've had a easier life or they just lean toward and that's great like enjoy that you know I tend to run very happy as well I tend to be one of those people where they say, oh, you tend to laugh a lot. And instead of going to frustration, you'll make a joke of it. You know, what I love about comedians is humor is a higher level coping mechanism. We should yep. make a joke if we can. It can soften arguments. It's good for couples to use it lovingly. And I tend to be that person where if it's shitty weather out, I'm my honest thought is I can't wait to wear my jacket that I never get to wear in California because it's just too hot. Like, <laughs> I tend to skew that way. Like, it'll be okay. Yeah. And, and I don't want to fake darkness, but I also... I'm working on being willing to say I'm really sad today or acknowledging the gnarly parts of myself so that they're not running in my unconscious and I'm acting it out on others without knowing. I know what I need to do to be a good person. I know what I need to do to be a better son. I know what I need to do to be a better sex partner or romance partner. Um, That's more what I want people to take away from that comment about the shadow is not that you're not allowed to be happy or find the positive, but also know what your darkness is so that you can call yourself out when you're acting it out.
0: Yeah, that's that's so vital for people yes and to that point i have said for myself and just from what i've experienced from stand up you know material can be a very triggering thing things you mention on stage i talk about a lot of dark stuff my i talk about my whole shadow self that's my material i talk about rape i talk about emotional abuse and you know, the restraining order I had to get on somebody and death. All of these things can be very triggering for people and to the effect of people coming up to me afterwards, specifically when I do jokes about rape, because I, that was my introduction into sex. That was my first time I ever had sex. So it's a very interesting perspective. Um, I've had women come up to me after shows where I've talked about rape and tell me that I shouldn't to which I have said, and I would love your opinion Mm -hmm. that I empathize with them because I am also someone who has gone through that. And in a very understanding tone, I also say, I, I'm not responsible for your healing and your process of healing is different than mine. And that is my process of healing. So where I wouldn't, chop you down for how you have to do it. I understand that hearing it may be triggering, but I'm not responsible for your healing. Is that, is that something that is bad to say? Is that something that, is there a better way to, to tell somebody or express to someone that whatever they need to do to heal isn't on my shoulders?
1: Yeah, I love this topic because I, I, I dated a comedian for a little while and it was really interesting to get to have these kinds what? of... What? I yeah, didn't know is, that there was, was an opportunity.
0: Ago. Can I put in an application? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm, I'm not currently accepting applications. Okay, that, that, okay. That let me know when filled. that opens up. <clears throat> And and it was interesting to spend time around a lot of comedians because again, I I really value humor. I think it, it takes a lot of wit and intelligence to be a good comedian, you know? And I think you're phenomenal as a comedian. I I've heard your work. I think you're great. And I think it's really beautiful that you pull from your own experience. And there's a lot of different ways to healing and a different, a lot of different routes to healing. You know, for instance, rough example, and then I'll get more specific to you. I was on a call right before hours, and I was giving a quote to a journalist writing an article on the positive and therapeutic uses of porn, which some people are shocked Ooh. that that could even be a thing. And I was saying, you know, when I work with people that are Um, Non-normatively bodied, right? Uh, People that might be larger bodied or disabled or whatever it might be. I said, you know, one of the ways that we use porn to help them heal is to see their body, their specific body, which culture has traditionally said isn't desirable to see it desired to see it getting pleasure and giving pleasure. And I said, it's important for us to find whatever route we need to heal. And for you talking publicly and taking the power back and you using your story in service of something that makes you feel empowered is your process. It doesn't sound like you're mocking rape victims. No. That would be a different scenario. That's and a different so, set. <laughs> that's the second hour.
0: <laughs> that's Yeah, that's the B side to the, to the special.
1: <laughs> but I think you have a right to your story and I think you have a right to your process And, um, people, people get triggered. And you know, what, what we need to understand is a trigger isn't for us to say to the person who triggered us, don't do that. A trigger is for us to learn where our work is, where we need more healing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's triggered, I want their first response to be, I've, I have work to do there. Um, Why I have to heal that area. And so I'd want your fans who get triggered by some of your jokes to say, what do I need to learn about myself and where my work is around that? Because that's my soft spot, my wound that I need to heal. It's not about Jesse; She's holding up a that's mirror right. and helping me see where I need to work.
0: That's such, I'm so glad that you said that. And i am I hope that women out there who are listening, who have been through, you know, similar situations or their own individual trauma surrounding rape, understand that, understand that. I am not I am not your guru first of all to quote Mr. Tony Robbins. <laughs> but secondly, I'm only here to I want to help the healing. Yeah. There's I'm not trying to exploit my experience to make it shocking. Right. So that it's a headline. I'm I'm not that's not what I'm here for. So I'm I'm really appreciate you sharing your expertise and in, in explaining that from well, somebody who's actually a I don't doctor. Wanna...
1: The, the You know, to rape someone is something that that person who rapes should have a lot of shame about. And I don't want the victims to carry the rapist's shame, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and it's a topic we need to talk more about. And I want everyone to take all the energy around what's in our culture right now with Me Too and sexual assault and put that shame back on the perpetrators. And in our culture, 97% of rapes and sexual assaults are at the hands of people that are male and male-identified, So let's use all this energy to tell men to stop raping. Rape is a male issue because men rape. It's not a female issue. They're the victims. Women should not have to ask to not be raped. And so it's like, we need to take all that energy and say, yo, men, stop raping. Men, hold each other accountable. Tell your friends that those jokes aren't funny. And to to talk negatively about women in a certain way also aren't funny. And to objectify women is not funny. Like, it's a male issue, and I want men to step up. That's where that conversation should really go. That's where the work is, not a human being like you who's trying to work through and empower themselves and tell their story.
0: I just love the idea of women going out and asking people, "Hey, can we not? Can you guys just stop raping us? That would be great." I mean, so funny to think of.
1: It's so ill because I was looking at this meme (laughs) that looked at what universities are giving out to talk about anti-rape culture and again oh it's all responsibility on the woman. You know, travel with your friends, don't drink a drink that someone gives you and it's like all of it was responsibility on the victim and it was like dear god, how about it starts with hey dudes, don't rape. Hey dudes, hold your friends accountable. Hey guys, if you see your friend putting something in someone's drink, tell them to fucking stop.
0: I know even hey, even dudes, look the out the non-rape rape is our responsibility.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was crazy though. It was like girls, travel in pairs. Girls, let your keep an eye on your friends. Girls, don't drink a drink that someone gives you. What?
0: I mean so what so just don't be a girl.
1: That's right. That's pretty much what it is. You don't just don't want house. me to be
0: a girl. Okay, yeah. cool. So not only do I need to like go out, get an education, take care of whatever kid I have or responsibilities I have, I, it's also my responsibility to not get myself raped. That's
1: cool. Right. That's right. Cool. Yep. <laughs> so That's, ridiculous. It really is it's Oh, uh,
0: you're giving me so much fodder for ideas to Good. put into the rape jokes. Um I do do my dr peluso on mondays on my pod on instagram and most a majority of the questions i get are relationship based but i sometimes get some doozies i also put up a question for people for to okay. for you specifically How, do okay. you feel comfortable answering some questions sure. from the fans sure, sure. let's do it okay so let's see um it all random stuff okay and i'm just going to show you the type of random stuff we get okay. <laughs> Just to just to level out the playing field, at town seven o two says, "Has that thing been munched on lately?" And am I what thing? Your face? Like what? My, I think face? I think my vagina. I think oh, he's talking about down. my vagina. I'm
1: sorry. I like you're pointing to your. Cheek. I'm sorry,
0: I did, but I I should have been like yeah. I went like this, and yeah, then
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, Cheetown. um He's no? asking
1: the deep important questions.
0: Yes, <laughs> and then put this emoji. <laughs> if that's what you look like when you munch the answer answer is no no. (laughs) oh bless um okay so this might be a good combo but I I, see you're the professional doctor I'm the fake doctor so you guys can choose which advice you want to adhere. (laughs) (laughs) um Nate Nate's open gates says the girl I'm dating one below dating Asked me to do a bachelor series of dates with and then pick the winner. I'll let you know how this small series goes. So, I guess, is that a question? Uh, not, it's, I don't know if he understands how to form a question. I'm gonna read between the lines, and I guess basically the girl he's dating asked him to go on like test dates to see if she wants to date him. That's right, how that's that legit. Sounds. That's legit. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> There's so much pressure, don't you think, when you, in the dating world, obviously everything's different now, but with online and social media, like, to go on a real date, I feel like there's more, that's more difficult than just talking on our phones, so Maybe this girl needs some time and just wants to take her time.
1: I mean, I, oh man, I, I feel like I'm already swooping in with the annoying therapy answer. Do it, do it. Um, because they listen
0: to my bullshit every week.
1: <laughs> okay, good. I'll, I'll give it some do the therapy thing. I, you know, I think that in our culture, we, we actually, and, and I, and I appreciate that some people are playing games, manipulating fuck boys and all that stepping outside of that. Um, we don't date people tend to relationship. And dating is about exploring if I'm compatible enough with this person to get into a relationship with them. But people expect a lot right from the door. And then they end up in my office when they realize that because you think someone's hot isn't enough to build a relationship on. You actually have to assess compatibility, sexually compatibility, social compatibility, physical, intellectual. And I want people to slow down. And I would love people to always be dating multiple people to really see who's a good fit. And then... After that, ask one of them if they want to move forward into a relationship. But I work with some people that expect way too much too soon and jump right in. And it's like, we should all be exploring, taking more time. Um, It's not enough to think someone's hot or to have good sex. Compatibility takes time because... Chemistry is right there in the front. Chemistry is, do I want you? Am I turned on by you? It's lust. But compatibility takes time. And compatibility is actually best shown in times of conflict. What happens when our personalities come together? And conflict really helps us see what kind of sustainability and health we can have. How do we manage difficult times? So early on is great. Enjoy that. But you need to give it time to really see.
0: I think that's really important for people to listen to ladies um, specifically. (laughs) I know you girls. I see the analytics. I know who's listening to this podcast. You bitches are rushing into shit. That's right. See, now Dr. D will deliver it how he delivers it because he's a doctor and he could actually get sued. Me, I'm not a real doctor. So don't (laughs) sue me.
1: (laughs) I love all this sue anxiety. (laughs) What kind of people are listening to your show? Everyone's so litigious. It's so wild. But (laughs) Yeah, everyone's got to slow down a little bit. I, I work sadly with a lot of couples that, you know, they think that because the chemistry is there that all's well, and they jump in and they even buy a house, get married, have kids. And then they come to me to fix compatibility. And it's like, you were supposed to have been assessing this. Wow, you guys actually have a lot of high conflict. Wow, when your personalities come together, it's a mess. You are not, have, you are not meant to have done more than just had a couple of sexual experiences. Like, you don't have what it really takes.
0: And when that happens, if, you know it comes to that point. Obviously, chemistry is something that's there or not. That's now, right. compatibility, is that something you can sort of cater and create to make it fit? Or is that something that is kind of if like chemistry? If they're up
1: for the work, if they're up for the work, not not everyone's able or willing to. Are you able to work on being more assertive and less aggressive? Are you working on managing your jealousy so that you're not trying to control and dominate your partner all the time? Like. It it depends. I work with some people that do amazing transformative things and they move into the kind of person their partner needs and others it's years and years and years of turmoil and conflict. And it's like, let me say it like this relationships take some work, but they shouldn't take a lot of work. They shouldn't be that much work. And I see people that are like, Oh, relationships take work. And I'm like, nah, not that much. And you're using that to rationalize staying in something toxic. Get out.
0: I mean, say that part (laughs) twice. You guys might want to put that shit on repeat and have that be your ringtone. Um, this is a good question. I think you will enjoy. Lex Delaney, who is a longtime fan. First time single in eight or nine years, scared but excited, hard to stop talking to my ex though.
1: <laughs> Put words to that face. Why? Are you saying you've been there? Are you saying I see you? What do you say? I'll
0: tell you, see, for me, I and I, I I'm just going to guess that you have a more open perspective about this. I One don't second. see the need to be best friends with your ex, especially right after you break up. I don't mm-hmm. see the necessity. Mm-hmm. To me, it feels a little codependent. It feels also slightly toxic to the healing process. And it feels like you're, you know, if you if a shirt doesn't fit, you return it. To Marshall's. You don't like go back and put it back on and try and make it fit. It doesn't fucking fit. There's a hole in it and there's a stain on the back. Like, let's not let's put the shirt back in the store and let somebody else pick it up and clean it and fix it.
1: Yeah. Well, look, said said lovingly, that that that's a common (laughs) answer, and that comes from our anxiety and the lower parts of ourselves. Because here's the thing when you go through a breakup, yes, we often do need time away and time apart, right? Because When we form a true attached relationship, and what attached means is a a long intellectual academic concept, but what it basically means is we've really wired. When you get into a truly connected, deep relationship, your nervous system and your brains wire and and you do impact each other and you do feel a sense of safety and calmness when they're around and you might feel anxiety when they're not. And a breakup, if you've truly attached and formed a deep relationship is a severing of that. And that's why there's so much pain. Mm. It should be painful. Now, we will often physically separate, but we will sometimes keep ourselves still attached psychologically by creeping on their social media, talking nonstop to our friends about them. And that doesn't allow us to separate fully. So I agree with you on that level. However, I do like the idea of at some point, once that's settled down, to still have our exes in our lives to engage in all the other things about them that we did enjoy. And I'm friends with all of my exes because just because sex and romance wasn't what we were compatible around, I still enjoy them on all the other levels that we connected around. And I still get to, and should have that in my life. And whoever I date, like the person I'm dating now has to understand that and be adult enough to know that if you trust me and I trust you, I can be friends with anybody. And I only want people to be in relationships with people they trust. And I have all my exes in my life because they're amazing people that I still have a lot of deep love for. We just weren't meant to be romantic long-term partners. And so we took time apart and we healed. Some of them I just text every now and then, happy birthday. Others I'll meet sometimes for coffee because we still work on projects together. And others I talk to every single day and are some of my best friends.
0: Well, that's why you're a better person than me. (laughs) <laughs> all that just to model that it
1: is possible if, you can, if you're willing to do the work. Because here's the thing. like, Ideally, if we date as adults, our lives just keep getting bigger and more amazing people get brought in. Dating shouldn't be our life shrinking down. And most people date yes. and they push everything anxious out and they're all jealous. And the world just gets so small and toxic.
0: That is a beautiful way to look at it. It is a, a great way to grow and, and add color to your life. Yes. i I've recently, through doing work, I joke a lot, but I recently do it during self-work and, you know, I've been going to therapy for years and I always read and try to find ways to evolve. I have kept relationships one of my first boyfriends were still very close we talked to each other and um i actually just reconnected with an older boyfriend who has a wife and a kid and i'm genuinely happy yeah. that i don't have to put up with this shit anymore um let me just see this i'm just kidding <laughs> i really am happy for him um uh, this is an interesting question because i feel like with what's going on in society in the time right now with the quarantine, that maybe people are overthinking and there's some anxiety driving their relationships. Get it? Like the ship. You yes, don't drive. Do on, you drive a ship? I don't uh, know you sail a ship. You see? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, Port Maine. I keep getting ghosted by dates when they realize how much weed I smoke. Do I just start lying about it? First oh, of all, it. the ghosting thing yeah. could be a scenario. Like maybe, I think I'm in the mindset now with everything that's going on, that people, their foundation has been rocked. A lot of them lost their jobs. Relationships have broken apart. Careers have ended because of the quarantine. People have died from COVID. People have died. That part as well. So people's worlds are shaken up. So when anytime somebody like doesn't get back to me or doesn't respond right away, I don't think about it anymore. So maybe this person hasn't considered that maybe you're not getting ghosted. Maybe people's lives are a little fucked up right now.
1: I love you for saying that because that's actually a really mature perspective that when something happens, we tend to make it about us, right? Versus saying, what might be going on in their day as to why they didn't get back to me as soon as I needed, or what was going on in their day that they didn't text me happy birthday? Like, I want us to consider that first, right? What's going on in the context of their life because people are living a life, but we don't do that. It's like, you're not my friend because you didn't text me. Well, I'm sorry, did you consider or ask what was going on for them? That's number one. Um, Number two, too many people are getting beat up from dating and hookup culture. We do need a little more care and compassion. And I hold everyone I know in my personal life and my clinical practice accountable to. If you are not willing to send someone a I'm not interested anymore text, then you are not mature enough to be dating or having sex with people. Because it literally takes five seconds to write hey it was great hanging out the chemistry just isn't there for me i'm not interested in hanging out again like all the best it takes two seconds and if you're not willing to do that you are not safe or mature enough to date i because mean people are getting injured emotionally. i really
0: think that's i think that is a vital thing to do and it's it's being honest and the other side of trailing people along is just fucking brutal and rude it's to lead mean. somebody on.
1: It's injuring. Rude. I, I work with so many people that are so afraid of opening up and letting go because of people repeatedly breadcrumbing, uh, orbiting, ghosting, all these obnoxious terms that have emerged out of dating use. <laughs> like <laughs> I was making a list and there was like seven. There's like ghosting, then there's zombieing, which is when you ghost, but then come back and do it again.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fucking genius. <laughs> then
1: there's like breadcrumbing, and then there's orbiting, which is when you piece down out but still show up on their looking at their story so they see you're still creeping yep. somehow like there's uh there's something called paper clipping which I don't even remember and it's like paper these are all clipping horrible yeah I don't even remember what that is but all horrible behaviors yeah it is because people just won't be honest
0: right Exa- exactly is exactly I was gonna say people just won't be honest um we've got some dr D specific oh, questions right. here I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off with my my people here. Uh, Ivan Q84, is it okay to shave my butthole? Is it okay? Yeah, sure. Why not? I guess maybe <laughs> because he's a guy, he feels like it's not okay to shave his butthole. Uh,
1: you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to sometimes trim or shave certain areas because of bacteria, smell, it holds sweat. I don't want anyone to do it out of body shame. If, you, if you're if you someone who, as a boy or girl, has more body hair, I don't want anyone to do it out of shame. We need to learn more familiarity around that. But, yeah, for some people, it's cleaner in terms of, like I said, bacteria or holding sweat. Um, I wouldn't feel bad about it, if that makes sense to you.
0: I mean, that's a very responsible, respectful, and professional answer i have started to laser my asshole, and i'm just saying this is a completely candid situation everybody knows most of my business on this on this podcast and i did it because the hair was uh unruly Mm. and as a woman i had that thing i was like i can't have hair like this back here i can't be a sasquatch i can't be like the missing link and then as the girl was lasering my hair and I was sitting there trying to make jokes because I was uncomfortable with the fact that she was lasering my hair and how hairy it was. Yeah. She was like, actually all women have hair back there and yours okay. isn't. Pause that there.
1: Pause there. I yeah. that's that's exactly the route I went when you first started. Is I was thinking, I'm so glad she's talking about this because even though you were talking about it around the need to remove it, I still like that you're normalizing that it actually exists.
0: Oh, it exists. And it's like but for
1: women in general, but <laughs> that that's not just a male bodied thing that any, you know, women off also have body hair. Yes. And let's know, just talk about that and acknowledge that and not have so much shame around that.
0: My, I'm going to give you a little, my last name, which will soon be yours. When we wed, my last okay. name is Peluso and yes. Pel is hair and Uso is many.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that.
0: My last name means very hairy.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: So I think my butthole just took <clears throat> it a little too seriously.
1: Well, or it's just doing what it was meant to do, you know, like genetically. And because that's what's, you know, that's why that name came to be. And, you know, good why point. do you hate your why do you hate your family? Good point. <laughs> why do you that's hate your point. family's heritage? Solid.
0: Well, that I'll have to book you for a, a real session to get into that. Yeah. But I appreciate um, you
1: talking about these things again, even though it's with humor, like you're normalizing the existence. And that's important.
0: The existence of asshole hair, which that's unlike right. Sasquatch is real. Let's see. This is a good question from a man, I love this. See, this is why I love having different guests on. Jordan Harder asks, how do you overcome sexual anxiety?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, My first answer is always have as much sex as possible. You know, sex is a developmental milestone and somehow we magically think that we should delay it, delay it, delay it. Magically, at some point in your life when you need to have it, you're gonna understand how and have confidence around it. And also we think that it's something we should reserve for committed relationship. No, don't do that. Sex promises nothing. Have sex only because you want to have it in the moment, knowing that it doesn't promise care or commitment. I also say to people, Please don't think that delaying sex is a sign I'm interested in a relationship with someone because at some point you do need to explore sexual compatibility. You can start there. You can end there. But at some point we do need to do that. Let's normalize that. It's okay to say I want both relationship commitment and I'm open to casual sex. You can do both at the same time. Sometimes people think I need one or the other. And if I'm being casual in my sex, that that's telling the world I'm not looking for commitment. No, it leads to that often. Um, And it's something we need to learn through practice. So I would say go have a lot of sex. I think that's
0: amazing. And it's totally, I'm getting comfortable with that idea too, you know, to out of this quarantine date a lot and have it not limit myself to whatever pretense I think I should fall under. And I can't wait. I'm going to toss a kitty cat around all the room. You're
1: going to get out there, but also let me throw this in there. And this is like another like hypertherapist answer, but Be thoughtful about the kind of porn you watch because traditional standard porn is not meant to be a sex education. And it is horrible of an educator because it reinforces what you expect your body to do. And, you know, real porn, um, the porn people watch, it doesn't show the failures. It doesn't show the aids that they're using, whether they're putting an injection in their penis or taking a pill to get hard and stay hard. It doesn't show their struggle to orgasm. It doesn't show all the slips up, slip ups. It doesn't show a discussion around safer sex practices and people's STD, STI status. So I always tell people, go watch body positive feminist porn, because feminist porn is going to be porn that doesn't just focus on what we call the male gaze, G-A-Z-E, what men want to see women do, right? Right. Which is so orgasmically obsessed, penetration obsessed. It doesn't focus on the female's pleasure, how to pleasure a female. You barely see her getting off. That's right. Feminist porn is more about foreplay. It's everyone's pleasure. It shows some dialogue. It's a better tool to learn from.
0: (laughs) There's some conversation that's true. They never even have sex. They just cry and watch a Netflix miniseries
1: that yeah if if jesse if you started producing your own porn that's the kind of shit we would see
0: <laughs> we would go adopt a few dogs and buy there a house is. in idaho
1: there it is there it is we would, actually... would lay each other's buttholes <laughs> we would cook dinner <laughs> i
0: right. one of my favorite porns that i've ever watched was massage porn but i also think it falls under feminist porn a it was one guy one woman B. it was in this beautiful spa she was being completely doted over yep. he actually gave her a real massage and you know both sides the toes the whole nine and then it was all like foreplay based like all around the kitty cat and up and down the kitty cat in the kitty cat the boobies
1: but, but, but pause look at what the viewer of that would learn and normalize versus traditional porn which is get it up, get it in, get off, and then you leave her laying there. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what? Yeah, yeah excuse totally.
0: me. My and, L2 and, and, hurts. And, and,
1: and for most <laughs> men, the only time they see other people having sex is in porn. So That's we have nothing really else point. to work off of. We've never seen the other side or what else can happen, and it's to our detriment.
0: And dudes listening to this, if you hear feminist porn and you're feeling triggered because you have an idea of what feminist is and you don't want to do it because you all that feminist bullshit, it's porn. That's you might right. as well just watch it. That's right. And just open your mind. Get used make you make it feel more secure.
1: It'll make you feel more secure in your body, your body size, your body functioning, because it's real bodies doing what real bodies yes. do.
0: Yes. And I've been looking for this massage dude for a while. I'm like, where? <laughs> My brother in law told me about spas. I know there's like happy ending places for men, but is right. there the equivalent for women? There sure is. What are they called? Well.
1: I mean, it's not legal, Heaven? so I don't want to, I don't want to like recommend it on, on air per se, but there if you are just Pin
0: me and send me a location.
1: I, I can, and I can even imply that there are, um, how do I say there's spas, there's spas in every city that are the more typical ones that friends might go to, to get massages or take a hot tub or whirlpool. And there are specific masseuses that work there that are happy to push the boundaries a little further upon consent. Yes.
0: I mean, come on ladies have a, we have to I drop have a, our ideas of what's normal
1: who once a month goes to see her favorite guy and um it is a it is a to completion massage yes
0: i mean listen i will stay in la longer for that
1: <laughs> yep, after after a 90 minute rubdown it it, it ends real happy
0: With another 90-minute conversation, cuddle, cry, and (laughs) We watch the
1: Netflix show together. We watch The Crown. I'm recommending nothing illegal. I'm talking about consenting adults. Yes. (laughs) Please,
0: you're going to give me that information afterwards. Okay. Do you have time for a couple more questions? I sure do. Let's do it. Okay. Mongoose says relax, says, (laughs) it's quite the name, Tinder and dating apps. I am terrible at flirting and sexting. Any advice?
1: Yes. Um, stop, stop trying. It's when, when we, you know, we often flirt and date with this idea that we need to be liked and, and dating is about being known, not being liked. Right. And so stop thinking, what do they want me to say? What do they want me to wear? Where do I think they want me to take them and actually live from your truth. If I go on a date with someone, we're going to go to the kinds of places I like to go and I'm going to wear the things I like to wear. And I'm going to see if we're actually compatible. I'm not going to sell a dream. I'm going to date from my best, but I'm not going to people please. And a successful date or successful flirting is sometimes realizing through a true self showing up that we're not compatible and that's actually success. So I'd say to him, stop trying and literally be yourself. Talk about who you are, what you are, talk about your day. Don't try to please, don't overthink it. But I'd also say, um, based on a lot of burnout that's happening on apps where people are so tired of just getting, hey... Hi, these non-starting one word things, put a little effort in there, be a little thoughtful. And more importantly, um, be consistent. People aren't taking anyone seriously. That's not consistent. So be honest, be yourself. Don't try so hard, but add a little more than just a high and be consistent.
0: I got to go change some of my messages then. (laughs) Definitely threw a high out there.
1: (laughs) No, we'll burn out on that.
0: And that's the other thing, ladies, just because you have a puss doesn't mean you don't have to try.
1: A hundred percent, and I say that's all the females in my practice that are single. Um, you, you have to think <laughs> outside of that. Like you're getting in your own way. Not every guy is assertive. Men have also been beat up by this. Men are also burnt out. We, we, you know, guys are only going to try so hard to court someone. It's okay to be assertive. It's okay to show signs of interest. Another soundbite I love: interested people like signs of interest. If someone's interested, you will not turn them off by showing up with interest as well. When we like someone and we've left a great date, we only feel good when they text us right away. We don't feel good when they've waited to try to play it right, play That's it true. cool, or whatever it is. Yeah. So if they're interested, they'll like your signs of interest. And if not, it's good to know. So I always tell people, text as soon as you want. Be honest. I will text someone an hour after the date. That was really awesome. When can I see you again? What are you up to now? Like, be confident. And if they're interested, they'll value that and they'll show up to that. And if not, I want to know that.
0: Well, that's amazing. That brings me right to our next question by Andrew Alexander, 87. So, doctor, are you single and would you consider taking Jesse on a date?
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm not single.
0: He's not single. <laughs>
1: I'm not single. Um, Stop. But, other, but otherwise, yes. But I would say to them, um, it's so funny. Who is this person that's so invested in your romantic He looks life?
0: really cute. First of all, he's got like a beard. Andrew Alexander, 87. Well, I'm going to guess he was born in 87. Jesse, why,
1: don't, why don't you send him a little high?
0: I know, Andrew, you want to take me out on a date? I just need to do a quick background check and talk to your mom or dad. I'm not, that's or actually brother. funny,
1: but like these days, I feel like you should get referrals. You know, yeah, we need, on a date, send me a few referrals or not referrals, but uh, what do you call them?
0: Like, um, yeah, no, a re- reference.
1: Reference. Yes. yes. Get some references. mean, hundred percent. Some
0: references, some references for, the, for the dicks as well. That's like right, there should be, right. you know, little, little, conversation of women like this is how his dick is it goes this way or that way and when he comes he cries so just get ready for it okay last question i don't want to make you blush because i know you're totally in love with me jessica spy jessica spy this is a really important question and i'm glad that this is the one that we are going to end our questioning on how do i make sex more enjoyable i find it boring and more like a chore
1: wow um, so assuming, assuming it's not due to her partners, let's just assume it's her somehow. Right. Cause she can actually work on that. Um, again, I'll start by saying a lot of people are too focused on how they look and pleasing their partner. I tell everyone you're responsible for your orgasm and your pleasure. And so you have to ask and have the kind of sex you want. I work with so many people that are afraid to say that actually doesn't feel good. Can you fuck me like this or touch me like this? right? They'll even go into long-term relationships. Never having said that we're too obsessed with, um, again, uh, staying quiet, staying still hot sex is where our bodies are moving and doing what they do. We are vocalizing and making sounds. We're letting body fluids exist. Like we're just being honest, but I'd also say to her, really sit with yourself and ask yourself, what does turn you on? Because a lot of us haven't actually asked ourselves that. That's true. And, 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 and move towards that. You have to be authentic. You you know, good sex partners ask what turns us on. They don't assume. And I always say that to guys too. Like you're actually a horrible sex partner. If you say things like, I know what all girls like. Well, okay. No, you don't. Cause they're <laughs> Cause all, all different. girls are not created equal. Right. Exactly. And you need to actually have every sexual experience with the mindset. I'm a virgin again, because I've never had sex with this person. I have to figure out who they are, what they like and what we co-create. Because every time I have sex with someone, it looks different. Each different partner. Cause it's yeah. a different person. We create something different and I'm in a different mood. And so I'm honest. I'm like, what do I feel like doing? What would I see? What would turn me on to see myself do to this person? And what would turn me on to see them do to me? And so you have to just really sit honestly with yourself.
0: Damn, dropping yeah. the knowledge. You guys should be paying for this shit.
1: Well, I also just quickly, I wrote two books, Rebel Love, Sex Outside the Lines. Cover I was, such look, topics. I
0: was just going right. to tell them. No, no,
1: my, so my agent got know. so mad at me because he heard some of my interviews and he was like, you never plug your work. This <laughs> is your life, this <laughs> That's my first book. Oh, this one is? That's the first one. Yeah. And Rebel Love is the uh, newest one.
0: Yeah. Break the rules, destroy toxic habits, and have the best sex of your life. So, Jessica, you might want to get this. I will put the links in the description of the podcast. So, if you guys want to check out his his books, I'll put his website. And also, can they book you to talk to yes. you? Yes. Yeah. They can book to talk Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. I guess the one last thing I want to sure. um, talk to you about before we go... Is, is there a few words of advice, I know we've already sort of touched on it, but for people experiencing struggling with loss and sexuality and moving into that new space in their life when they're without somebody they love, navigating all those emotions, what's one of the most or a couple of the most important things for them to realize and consider?
1: Yeah. I would say the first one is to really be honest with where you're at and what your journey is. Don't try to, uh, be better than you're feeling. Don't try to be more, more pulled together than you are. Don't try to rush anything that's going to just further complicate and traumatize and really derail the process. Like really trust the intelligence of your morning process. Right. Um, I'd also add to that, be around people that are willing to hold space for you mm. Because there's something about having community around us and having people witness and be a companion to that. And kind of like your example with your boyfriend, find people that will sit there with us and and don't try to fix us or shut us down. But they'll sit there, you know, and like and that was what was really powerful for me when my dad died three years ago Um, Two of my best friends came over. And I wasn't I just found out it was out of the blue. I wasn't in the space where I wanted to talk and what was really stunning is they naturally knew what to do um, it was two of my male best friends, which is what was really so stunning. And they both came over and they just sat there and they didn't say a thing. They just sat with me mm. and I just cried. And it was like really beautiful. They didn't want anything. They didn't try to tell me to be okay because it, it isn't okay. It becomes better, becomes different, but it's never okay. Mm-hmm. you know. And for the rest of my life and even till now it gets triggered. I, I have times where something great happens in my career. And I think I got to tell my dad and I'm reminded he's not here anymore. Right. It still comes up. So be on your journey. It takes as long as it takes. Find community or friends that will sit with you and hold space. But I'd also say, give yourself the ability to also find some joy. That's not to deny what you're going through. Right. You can still be sad and also yeah. say, I- I'm still going to go I don't know, go have fun with a friend or go eat ice cream or watch a humorous movie. I can hold both. I can allow myself to laugh and find joy at the same time. I think that's important.
0: I think it's really important. and you just reminded me that I need to have a little bit of space for joy as well. Right. you know it's it's perfectly healthy to feel happiness and joy and also be going through the loss of someone you love. So even though I horribly introduced you, people know who you are because they love you and have requested you for back for the podcast, but to reiterate where they yes. can find you, listen to you, oh, consume great. you, yeah. please tell yes. them. Yes. Uh, so uh, sex
1: outside the lines and rebel love are my two books. I also host love line. It's a radio show in 36 cities. You can Google it, find it in your local city. Um, I also have a clinical practice and you can book sessions by going to dr. dot com. And uh, yeah, that's it for now.
0: And then Chris will just let us know when his relationship ends and then we'll start our journey there you
1: go (laughs) thanks for having me thank
0: you for making time it was so good to talk to you and see your face and i appreciate you so much
1: thanks we'll talk soon bye Bye. seeking the truth never gets old